Hello, everyone. Welcome to AppliChat Healthcare's next webinar on nurse recruitment. Today, we're really excited to be hosting a conversation about improving the candidate experience in healthcare talent acquisition. And we have two really interesting guests with us today who are the author, authors of a new book called Candidate Experience. And uh, we're really looking forward to the conversation with them. We've been getting a great response from folks who are, really want to hear about this uh, this topic and hear from our guests today. Uh, my name is Patrick Teeley. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at AppliChat Healthcare. I'm your host today. We do host these webinars about every two weeks or so on specifically, generally specifically on nurse recruitment and healthcare recruitment and healthcare HR issues. And as I said, today we're going to be talking about the candidate ex experience. So maybe just briefly, first of all, I'll share with you that at AppliChat Healthcare, we work with healthcare organizations across the US and Canada to bring our clients a larger audience of passive nurse candidates. And we do that by sourcing from non-job board channels to attract more candidates to our clients for permanent positions. Uh, we screen and engage with every applicant and we try and help our clients to get more nurse hires quickly. So feel free to send me a message in the chat or on LinkedIn. I'll share uh, my link to that in a moment if you're interested in hearing more about what we do at AppliChat Healthcare and, and how we get good results for our clients. So as I said, um, today we are focusing on the candidate experience and we're joined by Adela Schulderman and Kevin Grossman who recently launched their new book, Candidate Experience, How to Improve Talent Acquisition to Drive Business Performance. The book is written for HR professionals and all those responsible for talent acquisition it's an evidence-based guide that explains what candidate experience is, why it matters, and how it impacts the bottom line. And today we're going to look at the candidate experience uh, generally, but with a focus on the application, interview, and offer phases of the nurse or healthcare talent acquisition process. So that's the stages that our clients tell us they're interested in and sometimes run into some challenges and we're interested in hearing some potential solutions for them through those stages. So Adela and Kevin will share insights from their book and from their many years of experience in uh, healthcare talent or in talent acquisition generally, and they will have an eye on streamlining and improving the processes to better engage and hire the talent you need. So maybe I'll start with a quick introduction. Kevin is the president of Talent Board. It's a research organization which provides industry benchmarks benchmarks to show the business impact of effective candidate experience. He's based in Santa Cruz, California and has more than 22 years of experience in human capital and talent acquisition strategy. And he's responsible for the candidate experience awards worldwide. Adela is the director of learning programs and advisory services at Talent Board. She's also based in Santa Cruz, California and has over 12 years experience in talent acquisition, specializing in management consulting and technology recruiting within a variety of different industries. So welcome to you both. Thanks for joining today. Thank you. And um, one thing is that um, I actually, so I, I did change roles. Um, I work for, I'm, I'm managing talent acquisition and technology at Edwards Life Sciences. And there's a wonderful person named Christy who is now at, at the talent board um, in uh, my former role, um, who's amazing. So so sorry we didn't update you on that little change, but- Sure, um, my mistake. I, Christy. Oh, no worries. Yeah, I read no worries. that the book profile and I should have yes. checked with you. So thanks for clarifying <laughs> that. That's great. That's helpful. So uh, life, life moves pretty fast, Patrick. That's right. That's right. So just before we start, I did put my link in the chat to my sort of online business card. Uh, on there, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can join our Nurse Recruitment Secrets Facebook group. Um, you can sign up for to hear about our future webinars, and we also have a monthly newsletter. So um, that's on the screen and also in the chat. And I also want to make sure I remind people that um, we're really interested in hearing your questions, your comments about uh, challenges with talent acquisition and the candidate experience for Adela and Kevin. So please post those in the chat anytime and we'll see if we can get to those through the conversation today. Um, uh, there, and there is the LinkedIn links as well for Kevin and Adela on the screen. And uh, but you can you can also find them on the LinkedIn uh, page for this event as well. And there's the book. So maybe let's start there. I mean, it's I, I did see your posts a few is it a few months ago when you launched the book, 
And boy, it seemed like a pretty exciting time for you both when you were launching that and I could feel the energy coming through. So maybe, can you just tell us a little bit of the background? How did you end up writing a book about candidate experience? You want me to start? Right. start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we um, well, so when when I was working with the talent board, and, and we have a long history that goes back to mm. my goodness, Kevin, I think twenty fifteen. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I candy experience focusing on the candy experience is what made me really love my job. I mean, honestly, before that, I, I wasn't so crazy about recruiting. I was trying to go more on the HR side of things. Um, working with the talent board is what allowed, what found, I found my passion in my spot. Um, I, I love this. And um, the fast forward, the pandemic hit, Kevin and I were doing um, a lot of work together, um, audits, going deep into to companies, um, helping them to, to improve um, candidate experience. And we started a learning program as well. So that was sort of the next step. And um, the first step of creating this learning program in conjunction with HR.com was to essentially put together um, just almost like a manuscript, a lot of notes, right? Just on all the phases. We, we used the phases of the candidate journey and just kind of dumped all of our, our knowledge and content in one spot. And at the end of it, we, we, I mean, kind of in jest, we're like, we should write a book. Um, and uh, so we had to focus um, first, of course, on completing the learning program and getting that off the ground. But at the end of it, I mean, we had this momentum going. Uh, we went for it. Um, and and uh, Kevin, what am I, fill me in, fill, fill us in, what am I missing? No, you, mean, you, 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 you told the story right. I, I think what the, the idea was that we had just done all this work uh, pulling together content from the 10 years of research to at that time that we had con been conducting in benchmark candidate experience research and recruiting and hiring. And, but the idea was, it's not just about that. Cause when we, we talk about and share that information every year across industries for companies, big and small, but it was also, let's give it through the lens of the practitioner and where Adela comes from. I always kind of joke, I've been in the space for a long time and HR and recruiting, mm -hmm. primarily the technology side. And I, and I, my joke is I only play HR and recruiting on TV. Ha ha. Um, but I, I love, I love recruiting and hiring. I've been in the space for a long time and it was actually through a startup when I first came into the space again, over 23 years ago, where I was doing some ad hoc sourcing and recruiting on behalf of some of our customers that were leveraging our technology. And I'm like, Oh, I, I like this a lot. I want to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And so, but the idea was let's put some of what we found in our research together, as well as what's it really like being that recruiting practitioner and what, what we found in the research and what happens day to day and what Adela's kind of mindset is and what she's learned over the years of these are the things that, you know, we have, we know can drive better improved recruiting and hiring and ultimately a better candidate experience which our research then shows impacts um, the business more positively mm -hmm. with candidates willing to try again willing to refer willing to buy stuff if it's a consumer-based organization and and all those things in between so we took all that stuff that we had already had together for the learning program and put a pitch together for a publisher out of the uk called mm -hmm. coke and page and they said yes. You already had the book somewhat written from. We the had side. a lot. Of, we had a big. We actually had a lot of it. At least the outline for the book. Right. Oh, yeah. that's great. Well, that's exciting. Good for you. I'm sure it's something that many people think about and be interested in doing. And maybe uh, uh, you're an example that it can be done, even if it's not something that was your your original sure. goal. So that's great. Okay, well, we're going to get into some of the specific phases, as I said, the application phase, the sure. screening interviewing phase, and the offer stage. But before we get into those specific stages, you have an entire chapter in the book called, Why is the Candidate Experience Journey so important? So can well, let's just start there. Let's talk about that generally. Why is the Candidate Experience Journey so important? Yeah. You want me to I mean, jump in? Let me go first, and then you yep, jump in. I do. Uh-huh. So when I'll, I'll give it through the historical perspective of why Talent Board was even started. Now, I'm not one of the original founders, but I was involved early on after it was put together. It was a very volunteer driven survey research group um, that the three co-founders who had been long time in recruiting consulting and, and in talent acquisition for much of their career to that point too, 
we keep talking about what's wrong with recruiting and hiring and candidate experience. Why don't we do some research, not only to focus more in on what's wrong, but also focus in on what's right, what's working. What are companies doing that improve positive sentiment, that improve a perception of fairness of going through the recruiting and hiring process? So that's how it all kind of started um, at the end of the day. And we ended up, uh, and for, from that point on, looking at the candidate experience, especially through the lens of, it's not just about this nice to have thing, you know, because sometimes companies, healthcare organizations in particular, for maybe, you know, non-administrative roles, um, uh, uh, non-medical roles, I mean, maybe get a high volume, especially if they're large um, organizations right. and large, you know, healthcare collectives, a lot of applications for certain roles. Right. Um, but it wasn't just this nice to have thing. It was really at the end of the day, think about the majority of people that apply for any given job at any given time aren't getting that job. Right. And the only thing candidates want at the end of the day is getting the job, but most won't. Right. So that aggregate number of people and their experiences that they've had, it basically will inform and impact whether or not they decide to ever try again with the company. Okay to post a negative or a possibly negative Glassdoor review or choose not to go solicit that company anymore, be a brand champion or refer somebody else to it. When, believe it or not, rejected candidates in our data that we find every year are willing to refer still if they have a positive and fair experience. We see it every year. So it's that's the whole point and the whole theme of the book is the fact that it is the, about that ongoing business impact of the the sheer volume of people that don't get hired, right? Adele, so you add to that. Yeah, Patrick, did you have a question? Yeah, no, I was going to say that mm -hmm. you you're touching on how it's uh, it's it is the candidate experience is something positive for the candidate, but you're also leading into what we're going to talk about in a minute about why mm -hmm. how it impacts the business, right? The bottom line and and improves the business overall. But let's, I'll let Adela speak to the candidate experience first. Why it's yeah, simple. you, well, you, you just encapsulated it perfectly. It's everything. It's everything, right? I mean, when you went, um, I have a, 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 a contact of mine, her name is Alexa Smith. She's in Toronto and she did employment branding for Anheuser-Busch and LinkedIn. And she made this great analogy that look at when you are buying a, a sneaker, I mean, think about the experience you get from Nike if you're if you're buying a, a shoe from Nike, and then compare that to the job experience if you're applying for mm. a job for any company, really. Uh, what, what's wrong with that? Why is one I mean, such a great experience and the other is just like, a, let's go through this process. Let's just turn through this, you know, lengthy process that we all cringe. So, um, I mean, it's 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 applying what we know about about customer experience to talent acquisition and, because it's, it's the right thing to do to focus on the journey that the candidate has versus on the processes, which are always there in the back end to keep us. The processes are there to keep us in line and efficient and compliant and all those things. But we we, we cannot we cannot afford afford to, especially today, to put a, a candidate through a process. We've got to put them through the journey and focus on their experience. Mm -hmm. And um, and can experience is for everybody, not just for us and TA and, and HR, but hiring managers should be reading the books. Uh, everybody should. Yeah. yeah, and especially important in those industries where, as you've mm -hmm. touched on, it's, it, it's so hard to recruit. And the business we're in at AppliChat is nurse recruitment, and we all know how difficult that industry is. And there's lots of other roles that are difficult to recruit him. But mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like for all the reasons you stated, uh, the candidate experience is even maybe even more important when in those hard to recruit industries. And Absolutely. Okay. So uh, as I say, you also touch on why the business impact of candidate experience is, is critical and you've touched on it already, but is it something more you can add about that? And, and the, the, some of the positive impacts that a positive candidate experience can have on the business? Well, I mean, we've got currently on our website at the talentboard.org right now, we have what we call a resentment calculator. And even though it's more probably applicable to B2C companies um, than B2B, healthcare is one of those bizarre in between worlds, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, I mean, obviously, but for elective kinds of procedures and surgeries that could impact consumer choices at the end of the day, if I, if I was a candidate 
and I wanted a job and it didn't work out and it was a crappy experience, I may choose to go to another healthcare organization for those kinds of procedures, not for emergency and that kind of stuff. So it's not exactly like going to buy a cell phone or not buying a cell phone because I had a crappy candidate experience, right? But we have a resentment calculator on our website where you can plug some numbers in, volume of hiring, how many employees you have. And based on what we call a resentment rate, the percentage of candidates who say they'll never do anything with the employer again mm -hmm. and see what kind of an annual impact, potential impact that can be. And we have companies using it all the time for putting together business cases internally. Even B2B companies will use it. Is it just to, as, to get a conversation started, right? It's not necessarily the same thing. We're also working on a referral ca calculator that's very similar about the impact on your referrals. Companies can you know, make 20, 30, 40 plus percent of hires come from referrals, right? And if you start losing those referrals that would have potentially translated into hires, it's a lot of projections, but that could eat away at the at, at your your employee revenue per day that you're generating in your company. So those things are so the revenue is one part, but I think the universal here though is, is our referrals at the end of the day, right? Referrals are extremely important. Everybody right. depends on them. And especially in hard to fill roles like nursing, uh, you know, any 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 place that you can get a potential referral is going to be critical. And that's what can be eaten away at or can grow and be become and become a, a more positive um, result for a company if, again, they are the hardest thing in the world that we find every year in our data and our research and is, is sustaining a quality experience over time. You may make some improvements. This is great. And then a pandemic hits. Mm. And that has been been. I mean, it, it's been chaotic for us on many different levels, but especially in healthcare, it has been really difficult. And and I know we see in our you know candidate experience ratings, um, healthcare, and even we're still gathering data for 2022. It's we're about ready to wrap that up for the year and start analyzing. Okay, wow. But already, what we're seeing though. It's even almost just as bad as it's been the first two years. Meaning the candidate experience, the the negative ratings have are almost two hundred percent higher for healthcare candidates than all other companies. Oh boy! So we have more work to do than others. Well, and it's been, but it's also been tough, right? I mean, you think yeah. about healthcare, education, even some financial services, Sorry. but more of those two have been they've it's been really it's been difficult. And then you combine that with the candidate market and the crazy sure. town. It, all those things have translated and it's been really hard. I mean, Adele and I both have done some work when she was doing some work with us and even more recently in this past year with some um, healthcare organizations, some deeper dive work um, and, and looking at, at their processes. And even at the point of getting to the offer stage, if you get people that far, it has become even, a, even just as much of a moving target because you've got start dates that float because if I've got to verify certifications, right, for, for, for whether it's a nursing practitioner or whatever that role is, sometimes those things that adds time, time that the candidates can say, I just got it. I'm gone. I'm yeah. going over here. I, they I don't, can't the nurse, nurses in particular don't want to be frustrated. They have too many offers happening. And exactly. But and it's hard because some of that stuff's added the, the, the control because right. these are that's steps that have to be taken still because no matter what we, I just was taught this the other day and then I'll be quiet. Let Adele mm -hmm. talk. Um, I, I was reminded this the other day that we talk a lot about streamlining and improving candidate experience and that's all great companies still have to be compliant right because the eoc yeah. is right there <laughs> right anyway what do you what, what do you want to add to that adela yeah i think um everything you mentioned um is is either completely accurate or just surprised me because i didn't know some of those numbers that for example this, the sentiment the negative sentiment is 200 percent higher and healthcare that's um that's definitely concerning what i would say though is um that um the the business impact think about the, the cost of an unfilled role um, an organization. Yes. Think about um, all that, you know, the the, the overtime, um, the the drain on the current employees, the the time of the nursing uh, supervisors or whoever's doing the interviews. You know, like they're they're doing they're working extra extra right to try to fill these roles. So so that's why all this stuff is so important. I mean, all that is is time as well. And and there's so many hidden costs besides what we're currently measuring. Yeah. Um, and you know, we do, our our analytics aren't strong enough to capture every 
part of cost, basically. So the business impact of canned experience is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned overtime and certainly in healthcare, you know, um, there's a cost of using travel nurse or an agency nurse when to backfill mm-hmm. some of those roles. It's been, it's a really critical, something we really need, obviously, to get, especially to get through the pandemic, but it's a yeah. big expense. So, but if we can help our, our clients to get more permanent hires, that'll help them reduce that expense as well. Um, and, you know, you touched on this as well, the relationship, uh, uh, the communication um, and the reputation, Glassdoor and so on, and certainly using our example in healthcare, and Molly touched on it in the chat here as well, that nurses talk to each other. <laughs> they, their friends are nurses, uh, so they're going to tell you if they had a terrible experience at a certain organization and there's 10 more down the street, then they're probably going to go there instead. It happens, every, it happens all the time. We all, I mean, in our, our data every year, when we ask, we ask the candidates, do you share your positive and negative experiences with your inner circle? So clo- close friends and colleagues, people that you talk to every single day. And the majority in each group, positive and negative, say they do. We share. We talk. All the, We may not go post online. We may not go post and, and that review on Glassdoor, but we talk to our inner circle. Right. And I mean, that is that. That's powerful. It, oh, it absolutely is. It may not just, you know. I always use another example, which is, you know, if, if you, it may not dissuade some, all the nurses from wanting to apply, because maybe this is, again, that's the opportunity that I want. I want to work there. I'll still do it. But it may start eating away at the, again, at those people that were potentially qualified in a market that is was already hard pre-COVID. Right. Right. We can't lose any ground at all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's move into those three phases that I wanted to focus on. Uh, the first being the application phase. Can you speak first of all generally to what are some best practices in how to manage uh, as an employer, how to manage that application phase in order to ensure a positive candidate experience? Who'd like to start, Adela? I'll let Adela sure. go. Absolutely. The first thing I think is um, the, the the biggest thing is first impression. So do your best um, when working with um, teams integrating your applicant tracking system into your websites that they're, it's seamless, right? Use technology in your favor. It's a big deal. Um, the second thing is time. Um, there are a lot of uh, really lengthy applications out there because again, going back to what I said about, about process, processes for us. So um, I think that we've defaulted as employers to trying to get, look, what, what, are, what is every possible piece of information we might need to gather from someone we hire? And we, we started, we've, we've started asking that in the applications and that's, it's not great uh, because it creates applications that are literally sometimes between 45 and 60 minutes to fill out. Mm-hmm. And um, so what we can, the best thing we can do for employers is to figure out what is um, the minimum amount of information that is required um, to determine whether or not this person is qualified. And that's all we need in the application. Should be 10, 15 minutes tops, if that. Right. That's all we need. And um, the rest can be gathered later, build it into the process later when people are engaged and are super excited because you're about to give them a job. And then you can say, oh, housekeeping item. I need a couple of referrals from you, right? I mean, that's the time to ask for referrals, not if it's someone that we might not even hire. And um, it's that, I, that's, those are my two biggest pieces of, two pieces of advice. Yeah, I, Adela hit on the head the fact that the, the trend that we've seen in our data, the, that employers have been reducing the time, including healthcare. Well, not as much on the healthcare side, that could be part of the problem too. Um, uh, the amount of time it takes to get in the door. I just, the way I always say, get in the door and then let your other screening processes kick in, depending on where you're going to move people in your workflow, your pipeline, whatever, however you want to call it. But one great place to start, and I ask this every single time we do workshops or events or anything where we're talking to other practitioners and TA folks and recruiters, do you apply for your own jobs? Not when you got the job, literally, but when do you actually go through the exercise of seeing what it's like? Have you ever gone through that exercise? Have you ever realized that, wow, we're asking them to upload a resume, which I know we're going to get to, you you may struggle to get from them and or let them, if they have a LinkedIn profile, which a lot of nurses don't, um, to upload that. But then I'm asking them to still fill all all the fields in, the the redundancies, and I got to do a lot of cleanup. Maybe there's an assessment that may or may not be relevant to what 
I'm applying for at the end of the day and all the, and all those different things go through that process. You don't have to do it more than once or twice a year. And especially after you've implemented a new ATS or a new system, what are you having them do and, and say, wow, we, there's definitely things that we can collapse and streamline to that point. That's the only way to know how to do it, but go through and ask, try to get your leadership team to do it. No. I mean, a lot of, a lot here's this, is, I had this great conversation the other day too. There's so many, a lot of people that are in, in, in leadership, whether it's in HR and TA leadership or in the business leadership in general, they haven't applied for a job in a long time. Mm. Probably. Right. Right. Not, like everybody else does on a regular basis, especially not the high volume people that they're hiring. Try to get them to go through the exercise too. I mean, it's quite eye-opening when you start thinking about, and if you capture any feedback, which is another recommendation that I would make, of course, get candidate feedback as well about that step and then say, wow, because they're, you, you control that as the employer, whatever systems and processes and the people that you have that are managing, recruiting and hiring, you control the dials. Right. You always control the dials. Right. Yeah. And putting yourselves in the shoes of someone like, again, using our example, mm -hmm. a nurse who's super busy and is getting how many phone calls a week uh, for headhunting potentially, and then getting having to get stuck into that, uh, those, the rigmarole, and uh, they're easy, easily frustrated and can easily drop off through the process. And I know one of the things we run into when we're working with our clients, uh, we're bringing them applicants, so usually passive candidates who are, we've got interested in, in working for our client. And uh, often our, our clients will say, but they, we have no choice. They have to apply through our ATS. They have to fill up the application through our ATS. And of course we know we're gonna lose some of those applicants during that time. We, the clients who are able to be flexible and it's challenging in a larger organization often, uh, but the clients who are able to say, okay, we'll start the conversation and then maybe we can help them apply through the ATS. Um, they're usually, they can find some more success with that. But I know those challenges that are were created to help the process actually cause some hindrance. So any other, any comments about that? And you touched on, mm -hmm. um, you know, how to get your leadership buy-in uh, by getting them to apply. But is there anything else you can comment about that? How to get leadership to understand that maybe we need to shift the approach? Yeah, I definitely do. I think um, number one, um, I think it's it, it. I always encourage every single talent acquisition professional out there to get try to get out of um, you know like like I like we say in the book, recruiting is 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 taking an order. Recruiting is part of our job, right? We're filling an order. That's absolutely what we do. But we've got to think about talent acquisition, which is which is um, uh, always acquiring talent, whether it's passive, active, you know, like building those relationships, and. Um, and so don't be afraid to be consultative with hiring managers or leaders and and inform them about about these changes because um, a lot of times they just simply don't know mm. and and so when they're saying something like no we want them to apply first and then the recruiter says okay um it, it's because that's the way that they've always done that and and they don't understand how the world has changed in the past few years how the market just continues to i mean it's different week to week sometimes i mean it's it's nuts and um and so we we have to you know bring that data to them and, and share with them hey things are really changing this is what the pandemic did this is how the job market changed as a result of that especially in nursing here's what i recommend to you i strongly believe that you should have a conversation with someone first um or even if they have a recruiter right if if if, if you're if the if the the hospital has a recruiter have that person just a general intro conversation first um, to build the relationship i think that they're going to be a lot more willing to apply after that point that initial um you know like like build that bridge first um if it's just one step and they haven't had a chance to evaluate you um they might drop out they might not be as willing and and it's okay to have that conversation before they apply because it's it's not a compliance issue at that point i mean they definitely have to apply at some point mm -hmm. but i would say um, you know it's important to start with the relationship first yeah okay. no i i totally agree and what is what's the what is the minimum amount of information that you need at the door mm -hmm. to make the determination of what happens next? That's right. Yeah. Right. And I think that that is, I mean, it, it, I, it feels like that when we go back to the pre-internet days before the first ATSs, before apl applying for jobs online, we took the, you know, the lengthy job application that we used to do in person and we put it, online and we never changed it <laughs> yeah, right. just just the systems changed around it that you know you you control that even with the vendors that you work with 
Um, again, you have to remain in compliance and you do. And as Adela said, you do have to have, you, you still have to go through that. They have to still apply. But again, what is that minimum amount of information that you need for the roles that you're hiring for just at that first, that point of application? That's the thing that you should evaluate. I would also recommend speak along the same lines that Adela was talking about, about educating your team on a continuous basis. You, you know, maybe do monthly lunch and learns where you have somebody talk about the, the labor market. Um, what's going on in your region specifically in the labor market and what are the uh just to keep that your team and the hiring managers invite them and keep them educated as to this these are the realities and give and if hopefully if you start if you if you do if you haven't done it yet you start eventually capturing candidate feedback data um start presenting that to them too like listen this is what the candidates have been telling us the past you know for the past quarter um what works and what doesn't work let's let's talk about it here's things and especially when you start getting in because at the at that point most of it for any companies of any hiring volume any healthcare organizations that's mostly automated the point the application right unless unless you are really nurturing and sourcing again nurses which are hard to find um but whatever that human wherever the human interaction occurs you control that as well and so um but yeah i mean definitely take the time to educate your teams right mm -hmm. yeah education is critical like information's powerful but only if people are aware of it right and really everyone's on the same page and again thinking about what's what's in it for this applicant this nurse um i mean even not being a, a I started out as a healthcare practitioner. I used to work on an ambulance. That was my first job. But um, even in my role now, um, if I get an inbound, you know, LinkedIn message from another recruiter and they're like, oh, my client, this opportunity, I'm like, you know, like I don't even pay attention to it. I, I you know, I, I don't, I'm not looking for a new job. I love my job, but I, I, I mean, I, I like to network with other talent acquisition people. But I feel like that's so old that, I mean, recruiters are in demand and, and you're still working with this, you know, mentality of my client. I mean, this great opportunity. I need more. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't even want to pay attention. Right. So, um, I mean, what's in it for the, what's in it for the candidate? Okay. And so speaking on the same topic of sort of outdated processes, uh, what about the resumes? You touched on it. You mentioned it briefly, Kevin. Uh, you know, again, we have clients who are really stuck and, and feeling trapped because they have a process where we have to have a resume or maybe a certain person will, you know, requires a resume before they'll move an applicant forward in the process. We know, especially with, again, passive candidates that we're finding, they don't always have a resume ready. And we, we know we're not going to get a resume from many mm -hmm. of them, right? So, and again, our clients that are open to being flexible and starting a conversation without a resume even are the ones that are having more success hiring. Tell me your thoughts about that. Bury the resume. <laughs> Bury the resume. Okay. Put it, put it to rest and say goodbye. Well, I mean, I've been that advocate of that for a long time. Now, I know my the next comment doesn't, again, it's, it's that doesn't really apply to, to nursing because you don't have a lot of nurses on LinkedIn. But something that is more, you know, I've always been an advocate of having an online profile. And I think maybe at some point blockchain, that block, blockchain technology, which is way above my pay grade, um, may at some point impact how we all have our own portable personal information for working. For, But until we get there, I mean, I just think that resumes are, are not, are, they're not really verifiable documents that are initially out of the gate, right? I mean, you, you have to do your due diligence based on what they put down and what they said they've done versus what they haven't done. But I think, again, go back to what's the minimum amount of information I need right now from this person mm -hmm. to see if they're minimally qualified to get to that, whatever that next process and stage is, then I can get more stuff from them. What are your certifications? And, and you were mentioning before we started, Adela, what their licensing number is, right? Absolutely. Yes. I, I mean, I see both sides of it, right? From from the HR side, I see, okay, if they're a large organization, um, years of experience, total years of relevant experience is tied to, um, you know, like we need to look and see how much we want to pay them, right? I mean, like it's, it's tied all sorts of things on the back end, which is probably why ultimately we want a resume. But when do we need it? We don't need it right away. And, um, and so what I would do is, is ask the hiring manager personally, what I would do is say, well, okay, can you tell me why we need this right now? Is there, is there a reason why? Right. And if it's just like, well, I just need to look at it, you know, like, I mean, it's, 
I mean, then have the explanation. I mean, okay, so this person, this person is, um, we, we double check. They're they're eligible to work right now. Their license is active. Um, they're at this this facility. Um, you know, let's have the conversation. If this person, if we decide mutually we want to move forward, then um, absolutely I'll have that conversation with them. That's time to update their resume. But right now, let's just start with the conversation. That's so awesome. I think that that's yeah. yeah. That's and, the right because, and because it's also the way we've always done it. It doesn't have to be the way we continue to do it. Right. It's just yeah. the way that we've always done it. But what, in, especially in a, in a highly competitive talent market like nursing, like technology um, uh, professionals, Adele, what you're doing now too as well. I mean, you know, you've got to figure out what the, the most effective workarounds on. And again, what's the minimum amount of information I need that it, at some point, if it's, if it's, you know, they, you got to get them in the ATS, you got to get them in the system, maybe have something like a resume, but we can't right. just keep hammering people into the, the, the round people into square holes. You and as you say, the resume is that there's no guarantee that the resume is accurate, right? So let's collect what information we I mean, can. There's no guarantee my LinkedIn profile is accurate. In fact, there are a lot of professionals. I mean, I know how this works. A lot of pro professionals that are getting pinged all the time on LinkedIn by recruiters they don't even keep their LinkedIn profiles up to date, right? <laughs> On purpose because True they don't enough. want to get paid. Mine's not. <laughs> no. so, I, um, so I mean, I get, yeah. I get all that, but I mean, you, we, you can't keep beating your head against the wall just because you did it that way for that right. long. Right. The way that I explain it is, um, so in technology, right, and you can apply this to medicine too. Think about all the changes that are happening every day. There's a, there's a new advancement in medicine, in technology. It's not static. It's constantly changing. That's exactly how this field is too. And and, and you know that's why I'm here to to tell you how it's changing because um, you know if it, it, like. Like JD Edwards, it's it's an ERP system, I know, right? Like run version nine point two. So if someone comes in with four they're they're not qualified um, for the role because there have been so many advancements in that technology. And the same thing is happening in talent acquisition. We got to keep up with it, um, just like we keep up with every other you know, with medicine, with with technology, with everything else. And I think, I mean, I don't. And then then it leads kind of leads to, and we don't have to talk about this too much, but it is you know there's been a lot of burnout. In recruiting, absolutely, in HR, a lot of folks that, and and especially, I would argue, it, it, well, across industries, but in industries like healthcare, that it just continued to get hammered by the public, by um, this, the by, by the pandemic, by um, uh, so many different things that you know people are like, just like, unfortunately, like with education, there are people that are not staying in teaching, they're not staying right. in healthcare, they're not staying in recruiting and hiring because they're like. I've had, I've connected with lots of folks this year and I do every year on LinkedIn, but a lot more. And, and, you know, there's been, a, a anecdotally as a, a percentage of folks, a smaller percentage that say, Oh, I'm no longer in recruiting anymore. I'm all done with that. I'm all fried and burnt. And it's, and, and I think, unfortunately, I would argue that some of that comes back from the disparity of perception gaps between what leadership thinks is happening and with what their awareness of what they think TA is and what it really should be. And what the frontline practitioners, that's another conversation for another time, but right. there are folks that are fried too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you've already given me two tips for sure that I know we can use when we're talking to our, our talent acquisition uh, clients of folks that work in talent acquisition for uh, making progress within the organization. So this is great. Let's move to the screening and interviewing stage. And again, I know there's often a some blockages once the screening process starts. Maybe it's a resume or maybe it's screening other uh, applications and um, blocks between getting them through the screening and interviewing stage and challenges there. Can you talk about, again, best practices at that stage of the process? Absolutely. First thing I would do right initially is, is do your best to set um, SLA, service level agreements. Here's what I'm going to be responsible for, but here's what I'm going to need you to be responsible for to the hiring manager, right? Whether it's feedback back in a certain period of time, 24 to 48 hours, whether it's um, it, whatever your process is, right? And and um, uh, this is a tip I've, I've learned from Edwards Life Sciences, which I will do every day now, or every time I have a, a intake meeting with a hiring manager is, is email them back, recap your message in an email and send it to them. So even if you don't, 
even if they don't read it, you can still say, well, we talked about that and here are my notes. Remember I sent this to you and, and here's the recap. So hold them to those SLAs uh, because a most of the time it's not the recruiter who is who is slow or, or is causing the delay. It's it's on the other side and it's not out of negligence. It's because they're so busy. They're, they're up to here and work that they just, they can't break away, but that's why stuff doesn't get done. The easiest person to blame is the is the recruiter is recruiting right and and it's just that's just what happens and so um just get ahead of it by setting those slas this is what we're going to do and and if they don't do it i mean you can only move as fast as they can and um and it's 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 not to, to place the blame elsewhere it's just to call out where the stoppage is and to unblock that right right okay that's helpful what i'll what i i'll add to that is in our data and research every year the highest rated companies in the, with candidate experience ratings in our data are the ones that at this stage are adhering to a very consistent and structured interview process. Um, meaning, so just, you know, very big, generally speaking, consistent set of relevant questions for candidates across job types that, that everybody is delivering the, um, as close to the same way as possible each time which increases perception of fairness for the candidates, but I would argue also makes for better selection process too, when everybody's being reviewed in a, in a very, very, very similar way, as opposed to rogue questions that have no relevancy at all about the job and, you know, uh, which can happen in a very unstructured process. So, but those, but the, the companies that have the highest ratings in our research are all delivering not everything right all the time, but most of the things that we recommend more of the time hmm. in a consistent fashion and that structured interview process. Okay, great. So that that's real good. Again, evidence-based, like you say, your book comes with evidence-based advice and yeah. it's working. You're seeing that it's working. It's not about what you think you know, what do you know? And get the, and make sure you have the data to know <laughs> what right. is going on. You may, you may, you, and we find this every year, what the companies that have, that have a general understanding of where they think they're, how they're delivering recruiting and hiring, they're not usually the, the data that we, they capture through our program is not that surprising. They're like, yeah, that aligns with what we already know. The thing that freaks me out is when we have people that are in complete denial that it's not, doesn't happen that often, but they're like, oh, that's what, those are our candidates. And we're like, yeah, they are. <laughs> Those are your candidate responses. But most of the time, there is already a general awareness, but get the data in front of you to know, okay, these are the things that we need to do. Adela, the SLAs that she's talking about all relates to the bigger picture that we find every year about expectation setting. Expectation setting, not just for the candidates, but for everybody internally. What is going to happen next? And we'll make sure that we are consistent as possible and that we're delivering on that at the end of the day. Right. Every single year, Patrick, we're asked at Talent Board, what's new and fresh about candidate experience, Kevin? And I say, absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. It's the same things every single year. Communication, feedback, communication, feedback. The world changes around us. The market changes. The talent market changes. Recruiting is like a yo-yo, right? When it's a downturn, it's down. When it's an upturn, it's up. But it's the same communication, feedback, expectation setting, transparency. Every single year, those things you control the dials. Yeah, and and even though um, we don't, you know, yet have official standards and talent acquisition to follow, right. um, we're borrowing these things. So, like when we talked about the candy experience, that comes from customer experience yeah. mostly. Sure. When we're talking about this, think about project management. I mean, you have to get buy-in, um, you know, from all your, you know, sign-off from all your stakeholders before a process is kind of put in place. So it's it's that same concept. And so I, I mean, also, I mean, that's a great training opportunity for anyone is to find maybe like a, a, a PM, like a project management class for non-PMs, right? And don't go to Pembok, but just like a, you know, like a, I don't know, a couple hour training thing, just to kind of get some of those those these concepts in and the way that communication can happen awesome. professionally. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. Um, and you referred to this earlier, and some of the challenges can be at various stages of the process. Certainly, our talent acquisition people tell us that it is sometimes there's particular hiring managers that it takes a while for them to get to um, uh, an applicant in the yeah. process. And um, we, uh, you touched on it again throughout the conversation, but a lot of it is about data, it's about communication. Um, and I did hear a good tip recently 
where talent acquisition head was able to convince their hiring managers in a hospital that we need to try booking interviews into your calendar. So mm-hmm. yes, where the talent, where the hiring managers typically saw the resume and made a decision about whether they would interview, but that took sometimes days to get to that process, uh, where if talent acquisition is booking in their calendar, the interview is going to happen. Yes, there's going to be some that you're not interested in, but that would happen anyway. And yeah. they were finding that that is a much more efficient process and they're really getting more hires as a result. So that that's awesome. Yeah. And even if the company says, I mean, cybersecurity or whoever says, no, we don't want that. How about a Calendly link, right? I mean, like it's it's easy to access. I mean, just um, have a hiring manager set up a, an account, give the link to the recruiter and the recruiter can share it with candidates like book here. This is our hiring manager. This is who you'll talk with next. Here's what you can expect. Um, I mean, that, that could be pretty seamless. And if so, you have a platform or even a standalone uh solution that helps you to automate interview scheduling meaning i mean it, it if you have access to those calendars if you're sharing calendars with one another and i think to your point patrick what you're saying is i can then schedule that time on on you but and there's i mean instead of the back and forth constantly of can you do this and and even like Adela just said calendly and 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 hubspot which we use is a, it's a marketing platform but they have the calendar functionality to share what 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 my availability is and get it on my calendar. I mean, that just saves so much back and forth time. Just automate that stuff. Try to automate as much of that as you can and get it on their calendars and focus on the hiring. <laughs> focus on the hiring. Right. Well, and Liliana in the chat goes even a step further. She says, if resumes are irrelevant and need to be validated, once the candidate's credentials, skills, and experience are validated, why do we interview at all? What's the goal of an interview? What are your thoughts yeah. about that? And you know, especially in a in a real high demand uh, role where we're really short of applicants. Adela, do you want to? You have <laughs> I have an answer, but I'll go ahead. You go first. Yeah, that's a zinger of a question. I like it. Um, well, the first things that that come to mind are number one. Um, I mean, there's always the alignment to the, co- the 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 company, whatever the company is, their their competencies, their values, their culture. I mean, all those things are really important. Um, and uh, so that's that's something. I mean, just to make sure someone is is aligned with with the organization. Um, because uh, um you want to hire that that long-term talent that will that will build the, the best team possible the most diverse team possible all those things the second thing is um i mean for some sort of um maybe i i don't know i'm just throwing this out there but maybe there's something specialized maybe there's something specific on the job that that needs to be tested in some some way shape or form so finding the most qualified person with a particular tool um those are my those are my thoughts on on the interview kevin what else do you have no, I, I, I agree with you. I, what I struggle with is the term culture fit. Right. I say culture ad. You didn't say that. You didn't say that. Alignment or ad. You didn't say that at all. No, I agree with you hundred percent. But I, I, you mm-hmm. know, but we're not, I mean, so this is, a, it, it's all contextual. I mean, if there's a way to, if, if interviewing was more about scenario playing playing out scenarios with individuals to kind of get an understanding but you're not hiring for likability necessarily right you're not hiring if like mm-hmm. i don't have to i don't and sometimes i wonder if that's the case of what happens right i like this person or i don't when you they, have an unstructured interview it can happen which is why structured interviews are so good <laughs> yeah i know and that's and i agree with that right? uh-huh. i think that that's important still but i i don't um uh i i mean but but in the context of, of so nursing is different, right? Because if I have to work with other people, there has to be a context of whether I know if I feel comfortable this person can work well with patients, mm-hmm. right? Because you have, you know, you're that's your customer at the end of the day in healthcare, right? One of the main ones that is the are the patients. And you're and I as far as what I know, I think in healthcare, I mean, there's a lot of um customer evaluations that go on, right? Patient evaluations. Of, of, of the staff, of the nursing, of the doctors. So the, the, you have to ensure that, but that's that's a tough one. Again, we, it's, it's so hard because I, you know, we just can't generalize across job types. There's just very unique contexts for each of those. Um, sure. So anyway. Okay. It was a zinger of a question, like Adela said. Thanks, Liliana, for that. <laughs> Great. Okay, so we get through the 
application, the screening, the interview stage, we're at the offer stage. And again, there's often delays. Uh, things get bogged down. We think we're in a hurry and suddenly the, the hurry seem to go out the window and things take forever, for example. Let's talk about the offer stage. What, what do you recommend people think about in order to really make sure candidates have a good experience through this process? There are a few things. Um, I think the, the first thing is um, see if there's any potential influence to get approvals started early on um, rather than wait till, okay, we this is our finalist candidate. We want to extend an offer. And then now there's a really lengthy approval process that can happens where sometimes it even gets stuck in email, right? Because they're not automated approvals. I see that a lot. Usually it's administrative stuff that causes delays like that. Um, another thing is um, if there is uh, some, any sort of compensation analysis um, can that be done on the front end right when the search starts or when we first start seeing candidates rather than waiting till okay this is our finalist we've identified this person now let's do this um, analysis that's going to take us a few days and um, so what can be done what can be done in preparation for a search rather than at the end when we find the individual I think other than that the biggest thing for me is to make sure again this is this is an experience of someone and we want them to be excited that they're joining the organization. Uh, we want to be, you know, like a recruiter should be an advocate for both sides, both the hiring managers, but then also for the candidate. And, and so be their, their coach, their cheerleader throughout it. Um, I, I try to get out of, um, you know, like the, the really, you know, kind of formal um, sort of, you know, like, speak as you can see I'm not, I'm not super professional you know like so when i talk with candidates i like to be like you know i'm so excited you know it's like it should be feel like a hug or a handshake right like you've, you've brought them through this journey and now we're at this end stage like i am so thrilled to be you know setting this offer to you here's what i want you to focus on here's what i want you to remember right we talked about counter offers we talked about why you're looking and why this is a good role so all that recap stuff i mean just whatever you could do to prep on both sides is is going to get you over the finish line I like that. Yeah. So not losing the momentum and also making sure that you're keeping the, the, the theme of your relationship going right to the to the wire, right? Absolutely. So and after, if they say no, you right. know what? Stay in touch because six months down the road, things might change. They might be back. The, the term that's being thrown a lot, I think thrown around a lot more is what pre-boarding. So what happens before mm -hmm. day one? And I can tell you everything that Adela just said, that the more engagement and nurturing that a, a new hire that's accepted, even if really verbally and especially in writing. And even if they end up saying, cause you know, we're having a lot more candidates in the final hour saying I'm out. Right. And, but if keep them nurtured as much as you can, and not just about the pay, pesky paperwork that got to get taken care of, are there people that can be introduced to, even if it's done virtually on that are on their team, their, who their boss is going to be, if they haven't already met that person, the, the hiring manager themselves, I mean, all, all of those things that can happen, especially if there has to be checks, background checks have to be done, certification checks have to be done. Um, keeping them engaged before they start is it really, I would argue, helps with not only a, a positive experience, but helps with the retention out of the gate. For sure. And one more, one big thing I, I think is, is um, you know, like even though technically our role stops when they sign the offer letter, don't don't let it. I mean, like stick with it until that person, like if um, whatever the end stage is, if you're a corporate recruiter when their team's light is green, um, right, or whatever it is. Um, I mean, it's it's you're the first person that they made contact with, and so just just stick around and, and be their be their resource because they're gonna have questions and they're probably gonna right. come to you. So just just see it through, right? It's like it's like when you play golf, right? Like follow through with the swing. Don't just stop when you make contact with the ball. Like you gotta follow through. Exactly. Wonderful. That's great. Well, we're doing a really good job of filling the hour here. And if uh, other people do have any questions, now is the time to pop them in. We'll see if we can get to them. You've also, Adela and Kevin, you've done a great job of using your broad experience and touched on healthcare really specifically a number of times. So that's helpful. But let me just open it up to see if you have any other specific comments about healthcare recruitment candidate experience that could be helpful for our audience. I think for me, um, I want to kind of circle back to what I said at the very beginning. Um, I think a lot of talent acquisition people out there, um, if you're starting to feel like Kevin said, you know, a little bit drained, a little bit like, gosh, this is this is so hard. I personally derive, I, I derive so much joy from focusing on candidate experience. I mean, every time I, I have a call, you know, I can tell you like a screening call, it, it, it used to be like, ugh. 
another phone call. And and now I I I think about what can I do this? What can I do for this person today? Mm-hmm. And it just changes everything. And it's just um, such a joy. And I think also mm-hmm. don't forget that new jobs, um, even though for us, I mean, we're hiring people. You know, especially I think about high volume hiring. I mean, maybe you're hiring 100 people a day, but those are huge life-changing decisions for people and it's scary and um they have to extricate themselves from like bank accounts or you know whatever i mean there's a lot of stuff you don't think about like insurance you know kids on prescriptions and just um think about that you know like be empathetic and and just remember it's a big decision and and that way you can you can you'll be able to better support them too and and they're going to thank you for it and a lot of times those relationships you're going to win the hire over another Mm -hmm. offer with more money that's great. Not every and, time, but a lot and, of times. And everything, everything that she just said goes a long way with all of us as humans. I mean, even if we are, we hear it, we see it all the time in, in the in the comments that we get in the the candidate experience data. Like, I'm bummed I didn't get the job, but Sally, the recruiter, was was great with mm. me and answered all my questions and, and was really caring. And I mean, those are the kind of, that goes a long way with candidates and they're willing to, for the most part, that empathy is, it can spread and their willingness to try again and to, or to recommend to a friend and, or to come in the store or reputate the piece again. Right. I mean, it just, it, it's, those are the, that goes back to the business again. Right. Exactly. And that's, mm-hmm. it's like paying it forward, right? You know, um, a smile goes a long way, all those things that we, it, but it does though, really, really, really mm-hmm. does, especially in a, in a place where, you know, with the exception of maybe serial appliers, again, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody who's an employer knows what I'm talking about. People that are never going to be qualified for jobs and they're applying for them all the time. That's a small percentage. Mm-hmm. Most of us that have, we feel like we've got something that maybe, maybe this is, this, this is the job for me. We, and at the point of application, most of those people, right, don't go any farther than that at the end of the day. And it's hard. It's an uphill battle for, for employers of any hiring volume and scale because most of the people are unqualified. Right. And if I could, one thing I could leave you with, one more last tip would be, that I don't think we touched on this, is if they are truly unqualified, I mean, we all, every candidate wants to believe they are qualified, but we know that that's not the case, right? It's just not, not sure. only so many people are going to go beyond that. If they're not qualified, tell them. Mm-hmm. Too soon is too soon, meaning like not a minute after they applied, but within a week, one to two weeks max mm-hmm. disposition in that time frame, if they are not qualified to go further. They are not going to magically change in a few weeks necessarily if you have a recruiting culture that says, we're going to wait until we fill the role, then we'll disposition everybody. But that could be weeks or months later. Yeah, for years. The expectation. Yeah, or years later. Just tell them. I got one the other day. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, did you really? Seriously. (laughs) Years? Oh, boy. Yeah, we see those pop up. Listen, we we did a... Real quick, uh, our own kind of review of the 100 best places to work for, according to Fortune magazine, a great place to work. And that's a great work that they do all about employee experience, not just disparaging that at all. But we were our hypothesis was, well, these companies should have a good candidate experience, too. And some have participated in our research. And we know that to be a fact. And the reality is, is that that um, the the disposition, I mean, it was just not that great. It's kind of a mixed bag overall, especially at the point of application, which again is very tough for employers. I get that. But anyway, let them know. Tell your the unqualified candidates, thank you, but we're not going to pursue you right now. Best of luck. And yeah. go focus on the people that may get screened. Communication. That's great. We'll come back to what you started with at the beginning. Great. Well, I won't uh, we're getting to the top of the hour so i won't, don't want to miss the chance to let people know how to get your book because uh, i know a lot of people expressed a lot of interest in reading your book and uh, let's share with them the best way to to find the book absolutely well first easiest place is on amazon um you can also go to a um, kogan page who's our publisher's site and find it i put the, kind of the talent board we have a page dedicated to it at the talent board i don't know mm-hmm. if i can actually share a link in this particular show on, but um, 
it's on our talent board site too as well but you know but i with adela the, the easiest place is go to amazon and and search for the book title or one or one of us and it'll come up okay perfect yeah i put the link in the chat as well so people can oh find great it. okay and i'm Thank also you. putting in the link again for my online business card so that um, people can connect with us at aptly chat and learn more about how we can help with uh, nurse recruitment and also sign up for our webinars, join our Facebook group and so on. So it's on the screen there as well. So feel free to do that. I'd be happy to connect with his, anyone who's interested. And I, I did share Kevin and Adela's LinkedIn information at the beginning. You can find them on LinkedIn as Great. well. Thank you. Kevin and Adela, thanks so much. This has been really interesting. Uh, you packed a lot of information into an hour and I know there's a lot more in the book for people. So we really appreciate you sharing the book and congratulations on that and good luck with it. Thank and, you. And give uh, us your feedback about it too, please. Perfect. Love to hear. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Well, thanks for sharing your time today and your expertise and, um, and welcome everyone to come back and join us for future webinars as well. Thanks, Thank Patrick. you for the invite. Take care. Bye. Bye.